This is a 30-second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title, Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid, so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Now here's former Huskers, Chris Raff and Aaron Davis. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg, I imagine what's going on downtown Lincoln right now in the Haymarket, Pinnacle Bank area, rail yard. They are getting ready to go to see Snoop Double D-O-G Dog. Ah, uh, Snoopy. What you think, man? Are you going down the raft after this? Oh, heading straight down there. No. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I, I went I went to my one Snoop Dogg concert back in the day. He was at Pershing. That was one, too, where they actually the police that night, actually, they told him, if you light up a joint on stage, the show's over. We're taking you off stage. And he got out on stage and he said, you know what I think about that? He reached into his big hair, pulled out a joint, and lit it up. And right when he said that, it was like a mushroom cloud at Pershing Auditorium <laughs> that night. <laughs> So I can only expect tonight that the Lincoln Police Department pretty much saying, hey, we're good to go. I'm guessing there'll probably be a mushroom cloud at PBA tonight, I'm guessing. You know, 420, you have Snoop come down. Um, I thought that was rather ironic. Oh, they give a good show down there to see what's going on. And uh, we're going to hop right in, folks. It's good to have everybody here. We have a oh, special geez. guest tonight. It's really not a special guest because the reason why I say he's not a special guest because he has his own show, too, uh, with uh, with Strickenbach on the block. So, But we are glad to have uh, one of my college um, uh, friends, lifelong friends, but at the brass same time I was, the Hall of Famer, E. Strick. Strickland, what's going on, baby? What's happening, fellas? Uh, hey, I finally got a chance to riff with Raf and AD, huh? So I'm glad to be here, man. Thank y'all for inviting me to join y'all today. A lot of stuff happening out there in, in, in sports news, and I know y'all like to talk sports things, so I'm glad I could arrive and be a part of the show today. Absolutely. Strict eight. Hey, Snoop Dogg's playing at Pinnacle tonight, man. <laughs> I told I told the Snoop Dogg story earlier um, on, on, on the block, and um, – so this is this is like right this is right after I had got traded to New York, played, finished that season up in Vancouver. So I I was at a point where I was looking to live, you know, just looking at different places I mm-hmm. wanted to to live. And so I said, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go to LA this summer. So, you know, my dad set it up. I had a real nice um two bedroom townhouse overlooking, you know, you know the views you get that you always see on the news that's yeah. showing the drive from on the 405 down into the valley. Yeah. That's right behind. So I was right behind the Getty center. So on the other side of the mountain, you had uh, Brentwood, you had uh, Westwood and all that UCLA, so forth and so on. So it was good for me because that's where we used to train. We would, 
you know, train at Westwood and so forth and so on. My best friend, well, you know, he was my best guy. He's still a good friend of mine. Cedric Sabalas was just on the other side of the hill. Then you have across the uh, the uh, the highway was Mulholland. That's where Kevin Hart and all them cra- where he crashed and stuff. That was Mulholland and mm. and all across that. And then going down into the valley. So I had a nice little townhouse, man. It was it was it was it was popping, jacuzzi on the back. And um, <laughs> one of one of my one of my good friends, man. Uh, his name is uh, KD, Seattle KD. And uh, he became a good friend of mine. There's a there's a story behind that, too. But that's for another day. That's a private story. When I come back at the end of the month, and we're hanging out at the cigar lounge. But um, so I end up going to Snoop's. He says, yo, man, we're going we're gonna to roll out to Snoop's house today. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, let's go. So we roll out there. And, and you guys have all seen Friday. Mm-hmm. So I, I know you understand when... It got into the other Friday, not 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 the Friday and the Friday, the next Friday, the one after that, where they lived out in Rancho Cucamonga when he was fighting with Debo. <laughs> it was way out there. Like that's how far it was. So we drive out there, and literally when we pull up on the block, like blocks from his house, he had security out there. So you literally had to stop because he was checking you and making sure you know you you wasn't nobody trying to get to the to the crib Mm -hmm. and we go in we go straight to the uh the studio and of course we go into you know through the house and then the back of the house was a studio and you can smell the aroma uh, (laughs) the minute you walked in there so just 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 to put it this way um i was uh in there in the studio listening to him put music together but i ended up on the couch like like in the fetal position So that's my Snoop story. And then we went to the concert. He did a concert, him, the Dog Pound. They did a concert in um, San Diego. So we rode down there. We was backstage um, just checking the concert out. And obviously, you know, when you're talking about gang affiliation, Snoop and Dog Pound and all them are Crips. And San Diego is a lot of blood. So some stuff kind of jumped off in the crowd. And me and KD, we was out of there. It was like. Deuces. <laughs> we deuced them real quick. Yeah, we was out of there. We didn't want no strays. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I love that story because I can imagine, I know the exact area you're talking about because just north of where you were at, obviously a little further north where you were living at was Malibu and all that good stuff in Cali. And so there's mm-hmm. a lot of good times. Strick, when I think about, I'm the, the first memories I have of you, man, as I remember looking in the newspapers, you know, because they always put out the, the states. We always laugh about this. It's got to be a football story. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so to our listeners out there, you know, I went to Lincoln High School here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Strick went to Bellevue West. He was a Thunderbird up in Omaha, you know, Bellevue. And they would bring out the stats every about every two weeks or so, uh, uh, the state's leading receivers, you know, receiving all the stats in football, basically. And I kept seeing this Eric Strickland and Georgia, Coa, Georgia Choa and Reggie Ball. I'm like, man, and the thing about it, even before then, even your sophomore year, you know, in high school, you know, I wasn't even on varsity yet. You still up there scorching numbers in my time. I'm like, who is this cat? And then, we, you know, we'd, we'd meet in different – I'm like, that's who – first of all, Eric, man, you was the size you are now when you was in ninth grade. Facts. Facts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like 6'2". No, for real. And in my freshman year, I was 6'2", six, six pushing 6'3", uh, about 190. That, that, I was thinking I'm gonna see his birth certificate, man. A lot of people said that. <laughs> they thought I was they thought I was old. I was like, no, this 
and I, I had the I had the mustache working and everything. I just was a very mature kid growing up. I mean, you know, if you would have seen my dad, then you would know. You yeah. know what I mean? My dad, my dad's six foot. He was two twenty five. Rock. Either that's where I just got my my bulk from. It was just natural strength came from my dad. You know, he was an officer in the Air Force, and you know I, that was the one thing that I think made me who I was and mature in sports was that my dad never I never played uh, one year I played to my level mm-hmm. and I shouldn't have it, it was it was total domination we won the California State Super Bowl that was when we was playing um I was playing in California at the time I played with a great you guys played against him um uh from University of Washington Napoleon Kaufman Napoleon Kaufman. And Napoleon yep. we grew yep. up together and, oh wow uh, yeah he was the running back at Washington he came in it was a really tough game kind of rainy but they ended up pulling it out on you they actually won the national championship that year and uh but yeah so growing up i i played my first time ever playing football i was so just out of they shouldn't even put me in the league total domination we won the state super bowl for the bantam for the bantam league mm-hmm. and and i skipped uh you know, a ranking of playing. You go Bantam, junior one, junior two, senior. Mm-hmm. I jumped from Bantam to junior two because it just it just didn't make no sense. And I actually had a good junior two season, very physical, played linebacker and, and did well. And so that was one of the things my dad always did. Whenever basketball came around, he never let me play at the level. So if I dominated a level, he, he would petition the people to move me up because he's like, my son will just, you know, literally dominate this level. And I would become MVP of a level above me. Mm-hmm. So he would take me to the base, the base gym. And so he would always, from the age of 11 and 12 years old, man, he'd take me to the base gym and had them them kids, you know, them, them grown men just beating up on me, beating up on me. And it just made me made me strong, physical, and able to take, take a lot of what um, I had to deal with growing up. You know what, Strick, that was one of my questions, man. How the you know, just the influence, you know, was born in Alabama and then moved right. around a little bit. How yeah. how how powerful was the influence? <laughs> did my homework, bro. <laughs> how powerful was the influence of your dad as far as athletics? Yeah, so so look, look this is this is not a this is not a racial thing, but you got to think about the time when you're in the south, right? Right. So I you know, my parents divorced. My father was in the Air Force. He was actually, uh, he was in the missiles. So he was in the silos up in Montana. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm down in Alabama with my mom. And I'm going to school. And you remember back in the days when they used to have like field day, right? Yep. And you would do all these little events and running and jumping and all these things. And I literally would, would win all the, the blue ribbons. I would win all the first place ribbons, right? So... Uh, this this little kid <laughs> says something to me that's obviously something I can't say online on, on on air, and I said, "Well, what did you say to me?" And he he said that that n word again to me, and I literally slapped the taste out of his mouth, right? And so did it Will Smith you know, only? Back, back, yeah, yeah, no, but it was Keep real. It was, it was it was real. It wasn't it wasn't that yeah that movie take. Um, and so, you know, back then you used to get paddlings, right, yeah. in school in the South, you know. So I ended up getting a paddle and got in-house in school suspension. But the other kid didn't get anything. Mm. So my mom calls my dad and he says, she says, uh, Matthew, you, you, you might need to come get your son. 
because he's down here slapping kids and that's not a good look. And so my dad literally steps up and became, you know, the father and came and got me Mm -hmm. and he raised me. And that discipline, although I, I couldn't stand my dad, I, I thought my dad was the most evil dude on earth. And actually I gave him a, I gave him a, when I made it to the NBA, I gave him a diamond necklace Hmm. and he cried. And I told him, dad, you know, I may not have always agreed with what you, um, the way you disciplined me. I just felt like he was always, but he always was right Hmm. because there could, I could have gotten into so much more trouble and missed out on opportunities had he just let me just kind of go and do my thing. And so that's, yeah, kudos to Matthew Strickland, you know, my dad. My mom was also good because, you know, she stepped up as well. So, you know, both my parents did a wonderful job in making sure I had, the, you know, good upbringing and become the man that I was. So, Strick, some people probably won't know this just because some time has passed. But growing up, what was your favorite sport? <laughs> Actually, football was my best sport and favorite sport uh, growing up. Yeah, that was that was the sport I loved the most. And then um, also there was this, um, I guess more people probably won't know this either, but I would say you're probably the most famous uh, basketball walk-on in the history of Nebraska basketball. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, (laughs) I'm probably the greatest walk-on in Nebraska basketball history because I wasn't on scholarship. So, listen, Danny Nee probably still loves me to this day, the fact that he didn't have to waste a scholarship on me. And, and the crazy thing is, you know, Tom Osborne, Tom Osborne was catching me going to the training table regularly. And that's what I loved about Tom, man. Tom was just, he was just, I can see why everybody wanted to play for Tom. Mm-hmm. And because he would not, he would not be overt. I mean, he would not be overt. He would be very covert. He'd walk by and he'd say, Strick, how you doing? When you coming? <laughs> It'd be real subtle. Like, like, no, not hounding you. Hey, we're waiting on you. When you coming? And so, and so, and so it obviously worked at some point. I almost stuck my butt out there on the, on the field, but yeah, but, but yeah, football was my best sport. Danny Nee was quite happy that I was a, a walk, basically a walk on. I was on scholarship because the Marlins paid for my school, but it was, it was scholarship, but not by Nebraska's way, but. Yeah. See, Strick, that's a lot of thing a lot of people don't realize. I think uh, the younger ones particular, even some of the ones who are our peers didn't realize why did you have to walk on at Nebraska? Explain that to him. So um, the thing is, is if, if I was to become a professional in the sport that I was playing, that, that, that loses your, uh, uh, your, el- your eligibility for, what do they call it? Um, um, when you're not a pro, you're a amateur, 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 yep. your amateur status. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so because I was a pro in the basket in baseball, that did not nullify my amateur status for for foot uh, for baseball. I mean basketball. Mm-hmm. It is it still allowed me to retain that as long as my um, clock didn't go out. As long mm-hmm. as my clock was in was okay, then I was able to do that. So um, that's why I was able to basically you know and and, and that's a story in itself. I mean. Um, there, there were about 10 professional scouts that came up to Bellevue West and, you know, watched me work out. And Yankees were one of them. The Yankees actually wanted to take me in the first round. Um, but they told me they wanted me to play full time. They said, if we're going to take you in the first round, we, we want you to play full full time. Mm. 
And uh, that would mean summer, that would mean winter ball, that would mean all the different sessions that would be in, in effect. But the Marlins said, hey, we'll take you in the middle rounds. We'll let you do basketball and baseball, and you can just come to extended spring. I was like, oh, that's cool. So that's what they did. They honored their word. They took me like in the 31st round and I was able to uh, get a pretty good for, for that. That late in the round, I actually got a pretty good signing bonus to to mm-hmm. be that late in the round from back in that time, which is definitely, close to 100 grand. Think about that, which is going to lead me to a question here in a bit, because like I said, we're going to honor your time because we have another commitment. I pre- we appreciate you making this time for the evening crew uh, for Wednesday night as well. How much thought did you give into playing football? Because remember you came out. And even kind of just threw the ball around. Even I think practice even a few times. Am I correct? What yeah, I did actually practice. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. much thought did you give into playing football? And what ultimately decided? Was well, it a decision you said I'm not going to do this? Was it a business decision? Was it just like I you know was it going to be I'm going to do baseball? I'm going to do basketball? I still got it. You had an itch still for football. What made you scratch the itch? And what made you say yeah uh, that itch is scratched? I'm done. Um, I would say. The, the scratching of the itch was definitely there. Uh, the success of the program definitely made it there. I think where they had me, because there was a there was kind of, a, my understanding is Coach Brown and Coach Samuels, they were battling for which mm-hmm. side I was going to play on. I know Coach Samuels, Samuels wanted strong, he wanted you as Sam yeah. a strong linebacker too. Yeah, that's where he was looking to put me at the line, linebacker position. So um, at that time, I was ahead of my time. Mm-hmm. So... I was I was like a Niles Paul. I was Johnny Mitchell type. <laughs> I was Jimmy Graham type. Um, I was Aaron Hernandez type. I, I wasn't going to get over the top of you. I wasn't going to stretch you. I wasn't Tyreek Hill. I wasn't a blazer. I was probably four six. And so, but I could catch anything in my area. So mm-hmm. I knew that in Nebraska, I didn't want to just block. I, I mean, listen, I, listen, I, I could have went to Colorado. I could have went to Florida State, UCLA, and catch balls. I didn't want to block if I was going to play receiver. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to play on the defensive side, but it seemed like they were kind of trying to push me to the offensive side. Mm-hmm. So, Coach Brown, if you're out there listening, that's that's kind of the more I kind of started, stayed on the offensive side. Kudos to you, AD. Kudos to Cluster. Y'all did a wonderful job of blocking, <laughs> but, you know, catching three, 400 yards – that was an East Tricky's thing. I'm trying to catch <laughs> thousand yards. You know, that's what I, if I was gonna catch balls, that's what I wanted to do. You know? So it would have been on the defensive side. It didn't seem like they they were trying to move me on that defensive side. So after a couple of practices, I was like, uh, I think I might go. <laughs> Folks, we're talking. But also, I had a I had a shoulder. I had a, I did have a shoulder issue. Yeah. I had a I had an AC joint tear that gave me a lot of stingers. So that was another issue that, and it was on my shooting arm. So I was like. Uh, Business decision. <laughs> Business decision. Business decision. So when you were coming out of high school, then I just kind of struck me while we were talking about it. Never have really asked you before. What other schools were looking at you? Or were there any that, or was Nebraska kind of where you basketball were? Basketball or basketball or football? Uh, basketball and football. Um, so <laughs> basketball, I knew really early. Um, I, I did that on purpose because I really saw the success. Actually, Nebraska popped into the top 10 um that year right so i saw the success of the program i you know they were on me pretty early i kind of knew where i wanted to go um there was you know there was the all the the midwesters the iowa states the colorado um i think as far as um i think maybe um let's see usc 
Um, some of them was on it, but then they kind of fell off mm-hmm. because I made the choice pretty early and I didn't want the distractions. So I wanted to just play ball. Right. And it was crazy because whenever I went to play somewhere, like we had a game in Grand Island, we played in Fremont at that point, because of the decision I made, they were dang near cheering for me. So it was like a home game everywhere I went for me because they knew I was going to Nebraska. Right. So I never had a, I didn't really have a lot of bad crowds during Mm -hmm. that point. Now football was a little bit different. I mean, Florida state reached out uh, um, at that time. I was a top 10 receiver in the country um, Mm -hmm. that was rated. I mean, the ratings are a little bit different than they are now, but, um, there was them, it was UCLA, it was Colorado. Um, they were throwing it a little bit more than, <laughs> than, than Nebraska at that time. So I might've been a buff and that would have been a, not a good look. Um, but yeah, and then Nebraska was heavy. Those are the, those are the ones that were, were pretty staunch on it. Sure. Let me think about this, man. You, you know, I guess I remember cause we were all, I mean, I just remember our freshman year, uh, we come in, you know, football, basketball, and remember, we, we, we supported each other's programs quite a bit. Because after we would get done with the training Absolutely. table, we'd have the vanity to watch y'all ball out, you know. And then you figure the next year was you, T-Badge, you know, Jay Boone, Jerron Boone, and um, um, Pike. Pietowski, yeah, you know, all those, you know Bruce Chubbick, mm-hmm. Jamar Johnson, all those guys. Oh, yeah. What was – I'm going to ask you this. What, your freshman year, you know, you came in and it was similar – I think you and Tommy Frazier hold a lot of similarities because you were you were very mature beyond your years as far as on the on the on your on the court and on the football field, to where yeah. you commanded attention and you demanded excellence and you did it by not just be yapping and talking a bunch because you both came in as the as you know as some of the top in the country in your positions, mm-hmm. but you came to the court and I remember there times man to tell guys this is not how we're going to play anymore we're going to play mm-hmm. like every we're going to first of all we're going to value every possession. Mm-hmm. And we're going to play to win every freaking game. How yeah. did, how did that influence? Did some of your teammates did they gravitate towards it? Did, was it like sandpaper at first? Did you rub some guys the wrong way until they seen that you <laughs> meant what you said? How did that go for you being a freshman and demanding excellence from guys who had been there already three or four years? Yeah, and that, and that's that is a good point. And it, it was because you know Lanny Richards was was my coach in high school. He really commanded excellence, right? There were, there were things that he would teach me. Like uh, I had a, I came from the hip on my shot and in order to make it more consistent, he basically said, you're not going to shoot. You're going to come in every day at about this time. You're going to shoot against the wall a hundred times and hit a spot before you even take a jumper. Like that was the type of teaching and discipline he gave me. So when I came in, I, I was extremely disciplined. I was extremely hard nosed. I was going to create or change the tempo, whenever I got into the game, whatever the tempo was, that means I was going to hound you 100, you know, 94 feet. I was going to be very physical. And so that's what I wanted to help instill into into the the fabric, into the the heart of the team was just physicality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to be able to guard multiple positions, to be able to battle with whoever it was that you put a body on. And, and that's why I think when we when we got into that the end of my career, is the why I came to the closest to ever quitting is because I, 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 we were losing to the second team regularly. And, and that, that to me was, 
unacceptable. Mm-hmm. So when I see Nebraska right now losing the Creighton the way that they're losing, mm-hmm. that was that's unacceptable to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To me, that is unacceptable. I, I I can't I couldn't even fathom losing the Creighton. No. If, if you know, seeing them in the summer and playing in Idleman League, and so I every time I touch the court, I wanted to dominate you, mm-hmm. and that's that's just what I tried to bring to the uh, to the team. It's just domination. And that's why I loved you guys' football team, mm-hmm. uh, AD, is because – and you and I love I loved the cheerleading squad too. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but um, that's why I love the football team because what I saw mm-hmm. when you guys hit the, hit the field from every position, mm-hmm. both sides of the ball was domination. Yeah. And that's what drew me to you guys as far as – wanting to uh to to scratch that because it was domination mm-hmm. you know we, you you always played eric with a sense of urgency hence why you were three-time uh def- you're on the all defensive team in the big eight at that time you always played with a sense of urgency urgency and you were a culture changer you know you have athletes you know frazier being one of those culture changers mm-hmm. you being one of those culture changers that can literally transform the culture of a program because of you know rising tide lifts all boats you know you get one person in there uh that causes that shift and either you're going to get on that wave or you're going to get out is one or the other. Right. You made guys get on that wave with you. Strick, let me think about this, man. What would the what would the 48-year-old Strick say to the 18-year-old Strick? Um, as far as athletics, <laughs> as far as, you know, um, just the, man, the mindset you had. Because you were already mature beyond your age anyway when you came yeah. in mindset. But knowing what you know now, a distinguished decade career in the NBA – you know, you play with some of the most uh, decorated franchises from the Knicks to the Mavericks uh, to the Suns. Uh, we can go on and on with those. What would the 48-year-old Strick, knowing what you know now, what would you tell the 18-year-old Strick? Um, I, I, would, I would say, you know, rest in peace to Kobe. I would have said, mm. you know, take a Mamba mentality mm. more. Like, I had a killer mentality, but in playing against him, coming in the same year as him and watching – um, how he was so super, I was dedicated to excellence, but he was super dedicated. And I, I probably would have said to apply myself more. Mm. Yeah. I, I could have totally applied myself way more than I, than I probably did. You know, what's and it's because I didn't, he loved it. Yeah. Like yeah. Kobe loved it. I liked it. I mm. enjoyed it, but I knew it wasn't, it wasn't me. You know what I mean? So I can understand why, but I would have said still apply myself. I think you just helped me out my next uh, social media post. Do you like what you do or do you love what you do? Mm. And there's a major yeah. difference in the results there's when you like something compared when you love something. Go ahead, Raph. And all royalty should go to Eric Strickland if he's going to use that. <laughs> That's just, just if you I get think. paid on it, touch me up one time. I know you love me. Yeah, you know what, Strick? We want you for. Do you have five more minutes after this break? Five more minutes. Yeah, bro. Okay, yeah, we're going to take you. a quick break, folks. I'm riffing with Raf and uh, AD. We have Nebraska Hall of Famer Eric Strickland with us here for just one more segment. We're going to pay some bills. We'll be right back. This is a 30 second stereo radio for Trade School in the Home Depot. Spot code YHTFD00RGA0. Spot title Project Planning Homeowner 101. So you're ready to tackle a home improvement project on your own. Let's make a plan. Take a free workshop from the Home Depot and get live help from our expert associates. Whether you're upgrading your kitchen or overhauling your bathroom, we'll provide everything you need to get started. You'll know what to look for and what to avoid. 
so you can take on any project with confidence. Homeowner 101 Livestream Workshops from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops.